This week's episode of Sauce Up is Scary is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And you guys know, we here at Sauce Up is Scary, we pride ourselves on letting you guys know what's scary and what's not scary. And fellas, the most scary thing that I can think of is having a little trim session downstairs, nicking your jewels, and all of a sudden it looks like a horror scene come to life, right? It looks like when the elevator doors open in The Shining. Nobody wants that. Thankfully, Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Manscaped engineering team spent over 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created, and it's just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Now, their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. Millions of men are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. Manscaping accidents are finally going to be a thing of the past. And look, when I tell you that this thing is premium, that it's primo, that it's the best, that it's the top dollar, that it's the highest end, I'm telling you that it's the best. Listen to this. The battery now lasts up to 90 minutes. So, hey, after you get done with your family jewels, if you need to hit the chest, maybe the back, I don't know your situation, Chewbacca, but whatever you got going on, now you have 90 minutes to take care of all that situation. There's water-resistant technology that allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming experience. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And hey, let's not forget about that charging stand. Show off your mower loud and proud because of this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by a USB. And if you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand. All right? Go trim that junk of yours. Ladies, if you got a special man in your life, Father's Day is just around the corner get them something that you can both enjoy get 20 percent off with free shipping with the code scarypod at manscaped.com your balls will thank you manscaped the best tools for your family jewels but for now enjoy the show Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Sauce of the Scary. Derek Zoo, Jeff Wright here with you. Jeff, what's going on, buddy? How are you? I'm doing okay, man. Just trying to keep it uh, keep it moving. Keep I, uh, it 100? Well, I keep it all. I always keep it 100, man. But just, uh, you know, the world a little crazier every day I get up. But uh, we still got to handle our business. So keep, keep, keep doing what I'm doing. That's right. Absolutely. Well, I'm, it's here, man. I'm excited. We, uh, we've we been talking about it for weeks. Uh, I know that this has been a long time coming. It's kind of crazy that we've been at this for, what, three years now? And uh, this, this series has not yet been reviewed by us. So we're going all in for about the next six weeks on paranormal activity. So uh, excited to go down the rabbit hole with you on that today. But before we get started with paranormal activity, let's go to our very friendly horror reporter. This week's While he is loading up here, let me just tell you, looking at that whole series of paranormal activity, mm-hmm. are you familiar with the Virginia Creeper Trail? I am not. So it's a kind of a famous tourist bicycling spot out in the woods somewhere in Virginia. Okay. Are we going? Well, it's on my list because of this exact reason. I asked some kids that I teach who, who went and I said, like, is this me riding up Rocky Hills the whole time? Because I'm not about that. And they said, no, it's basically a super long downhill ride. And I think a super long downhill ride is probably the perfect comp for the Paranormal Activity franchise. Huh. So this is our Virginia Creeper series. 
Hey, man, I'm down. Yeah, okay. Well, that note established for some horror reporter information. Uh, We talked about this on our latest Patreon episode, but we haven't talked about it with the broader listening audience. So we found out this week that Ryan Gosling uh, is going to be the next Universal Wolfman. Um, Can I ask you, on a scale of 1 to 10, how interested were you in the Mummy reboot? Uh, With Tom Cruise? Yeah. Um, well, the movie itself, probably like a five or six, but the fact that it was going to introduce the dark universe or dark order or whatever they were calling themselves, um, knowing that that was going to happen, probably a seven or eight. Now, I I don't know if I told you or not. I just watched that movie like a week ago. We have talked about that on air or off. I don't know which, but I know that you've mentioned that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't as good as like the Brandon Fraser mummies, uh-huh. uh, and and I guess I guess your your take on the Brandon Fraser mummies or or whenever you see them for the first time, hmm. you know, um, I saw it ninety one in two thousand or excuse me ninety nine in two thousand and one, uh, you know, when I was at when I was a teenager and thought they were some of the coolest movies I've ever seen. Uh, of course, now if you watch the Mummy Returns, the CGI doesn't hold up that well. I mean, The Rock. The, the Scorpion King always looked bad, but even I mean it, now it looks terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would put them. I'd put that movie below the Mummy. Those the first two Mummy movies. Um, but I was interested to see honestly where they were going to take uh, Russell Crowe's Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde because I thought he was the most intriguing part of the whole movie. Yeah. Okay. Well, then in comparison, sorry, that was a long answer. I apologize. No, it was a good one. I appreciate the the thoroughness. Um. In comparison to The Mummy, how interested in The Invisible Man being rebooted are you? Um, well, I mean, we just saw The Invisible Man with Elizabeth Moss a I'm couple sorry. months yeah. ago. I said The Invisible Man. That was my next question. I'm sorry. The Wolfman. Um, I, I mean, since we just watched American Werewolf in London, I wouldn't mind seeing something. But I, I need to know, like, who's doing it. Like, who's the director? Uh, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> I guess I'm ambivalent towards Ryan Gosling. Like, I'm not going to go watch a movie because he's in it, but I also won't watch a movie because he's. Does that make sense? Like, he's not going to he's not going to get me to the theaters, but I also won't be like, oh, God, Ryan Gosling. I'm not watching that. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've anticipated where I wanted to go. I just wondered how much Gosling's involvement would affect your your interest here. Um, I'm reading a variety piece that's I think they broke it. But interestingly enough, the variety announcement leads off this way. Months after Universal successfully relaunched its monster universe with Elizabeth Moss as the Invisible Man, the studio is pushing ahead for Wolfman, uh, being developed as a starring vehicle for Ryan Gosling. Uh, You know, based on what we've just talked about, what's conspicuous there in that first paragraph? Uh, The Mummy. Yeah. Yeah. Are we just going to pretend like The Mummy didn't happen? Is that... Yeah, well, I I think that it it had such a bad turnout at the box office that they had originally decided that they were just going to 86 the whole dark universe. Um, I I guess I realized when we reviewed it that they were trying to push it back with with the Invisible Man. I mean, the Invisible Man is leaps and bounds better than the the mummy. Um, I I just I just thought it was dead in the water. Does does this mean that they're going to go back to like the the old time 1940s type movies or are they going to try to bring it into the 
into the present day like they did with the Invisible Man, or, or does it say anything like that? Well, um, it does say, I just, the reason I bring that up is like, if we're going to push on with the universal shared universe with its monsters, which I'm still in favor of, even though the mummy wasn't very good, apparently, I still want to know how it relates to that, how the mummy relates to that shared universe. Mm-hmm. Is this going to be like the Hulk movies in Marvel, uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? I just want somebody to tell me clearly, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I would I would love to to know what they're what they're thinking. Yeah, um now to answer your question, the Variety report says this new this new Wolfman, apparently the scenario was pitched by Ryan Gosling even though there's not a uh there's not a director attached yet. Okay. And what he pitched him on was something set in present times in the vein of Jake Gyllenhaal's thriller Nightcrawler with an obvious supernatural twist. Huh. So they're calling out a movie I really like there. But I don't know how you do sleazy paparazzi turns into a werewolf. Yeah, I don't I don't really understand that either. I'm I'm interested though. Yeah, yeah. I I I too really liked um Nightcrawler. It was an excellent movie, man. I was yeah. riveted. Yeah. Uh, I, just one ahead. last question since we're talking about it. Um, you know, when I think of a shared universe, I think of characters from standalone movies appearing in uh, you know, other movies within that universe. Mm-hmm. Clearly, uh, the Invisible Man is is the tentpole for this thing, at least so far. I mean, that was a great movie. We really enjoyed it, and I think with good reason. But is there an Invisible Man to show up in other people's movies at this point? I mean, I don't want to spoil the Invisible Man, but I don't think there's an Invisible Man anymore. Well, um, there's not an Invisible Man, but if I remember the ending of that movie correctly, there was an Invisible Woman. So do you think, yeah, we're spoiling all this. Um so, listener, listen, I, I can't give you a timestamp for how long this is going to go, but you probably need to skip ahead a minute or two on this. Well, why don't we why don't we just Wahlberg it and then and then that way we're covered for the rest of the show. OK. OK. So if you listen any further after Mark comes in, just anything we talk about is spoiler rich. Is that what we're telling our yeah. listeners? We're, we're in spoiler territory. And if you don't like it, turn the freaking podcast off. Whoa. Whoa. But make sure and go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code <laughs> scary pod. Get 20 percent off your order. <laughs> what? No. Spoiler alert. Uh, for Elizabeth Moss to be a monster, doesn't she have to turn evil if she's going to be the Invisible Woman? Well, there is a lot of gray area, in my opinion, at the end of The Invisible Man, because she does wind up killing whatever the dude's name was, Adrian or something. Yeah. And the cop sees it, knows what happened, knows that, you know, she has the suit and that she obviously had something to do with the murder. Um, but he, as a good friend, is going to, you know, turn a blind eye because of the insanity that was going on with it. Uh, so I think that she's already on the cusp of being maybe not evil, but vindictive. Yeah. Hmm. And I could see them turning her into like an anti-hero that's trying to right the wrongs of whatever else is going on in the world. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe it would have to be some kind of anti-hero thing though. I just can't see them taking her as an abused woman, her character, and then somehow trying to make us dislike her, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it'd be that stuff has happened, I guess, you know, uh, people who are hurt can also then turn out to be people who are, who hurt others. But nonetheless, I think it'd be a big ass for them to, to ask me to say, Hey, this woman you've watched get beat up. Now you have to see her as a monster, but, but yeah. maybe it would be like, maybe she's chasing the wolf men around and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess maybe, you know, it's, it's one of those things where she, you know, maybe the suit 
you know, maybe absolute power corrupts absolutely, right? Yeah. And now that she has this this uh, amazing gift in her ability, she's taking it for granted. And the other, you know, these other uh, monsters have to team up to try to figure out what's going on. Hmm. Hmm. Or maybe she kills one at the beginning of the movie, and now they're on the hunt to try to find out what happened to Dracula or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> she is the mechanism to get the mummy off the record. Like she just goes and yeah. kills the mummy, and everybody yeah. involved in yeah. it. Yeah, she just she just kills Tom Cruise. But that would also push the hero the hero narrative. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Well, we've <laughs> your movie sucked. She just takes his power away. It's uh, it's Ryan Reynolds at the end of the last Deadpool movie, right? Yeah, I guess this is more than anybody expected us to talk about the Universal Monster relaunch. But anyway, lots Welcome. of questions in my brain. Welcome to speculating something scary. <laughs> Hey, speaking of future projects, this is my last one, and I'm here for it, man. You remember that movie we watched a while back? When did that thing come out? It was called Upgrade, and it was kind of a technological version of Venom. Yeah, it came out, uh, I believe, in 2018, maybe right before Venom came out. Yeah, it was close. It was close. And you're right. It was 2018. So that movie is being developed into a a TV series. Okay. Um, the, the premise, according to geeksofcolor.co is that the, uh, the, the series of the series will pick up a few years after the events of the film and it's going to broaden the universe with an evolved version of that STEM chip and the AI on it, uh, in a new host. And apparently it's going to be set in a world in which the government repurposes STEM to help cut down on criminal activity. Huh. So a dystopian techno mind control TV series. Okay, uh, I think there's meat on the bone here. I think this really could be a good series. Do you do you feel similarly positive? Yeah, yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, me too. And I'm always ready for more Blue Mouse TV yeah. shows, unless it's on Shutter, and then screw Shutter <laughs> for sure. For sure, screw Shutter. Although, I, I don't think I've I don't think I've said that in a couple episodes. That's why I needed to get it in there. Yeah, uh, although. Uh, I'm still, I mean, I guess I need to confess to you, I'm still going to watch the Joe Bob stuff. I don't know if that affects our friendship or not, but yes. Hey, can I tell you one other bit of news that's not really horror reporting? Yeah, absolutely. I watched the What We Do in the Shadows movie. Yeah. Dude, I stinking love that movie. <laughs> I have never enjoyed a horror comedy as far as I can remember. Not even Tucker and Dale yeah. as much as I enjoyed that one. Good. It is great. Yeah, that makes my heart happy. I'm glad you glad you feel that way. That whole crew is hilarious. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I guess what I'm also realizing is I just want more from that creative group, you know? Like yeah, I watch the TV to, show, my man. Yeah, I've got, I'm going to immediately jump into that, but I just want them to have made seven more movies than they've made. I want to yeah. binge watch them. I'm telling you, man, um, I know we've talked about this before, but uh, Taika Waititi is on my Mount Rushmore of directors. Like well, man, I have not great as an actor too. Yeah, no, he's fantastic. I I have not seen anything from him that I I didn't thoroughly love. Yeah, I get that. Uh, I don't know how you would would describe his character in that in that movie, but kind of a beta vampire was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was just awesome. He was perfect. And uh, Jermaine, uh, the Clement. guy, what's that? Uh, Jermaine Clement. Yes, man, he was good. Yeah, oh, super good. So, so uh, Taika Waititi said that he based his performance off of his mother. Really? Yeah. Dude, if we ever get through this paranormal activity slog, I feel like we need to review what we do in the shadows. Oh, man. I'm I'm all about it. Yeah. It's excellent. And I just uh, need to thank you for once again giving me a great recommendation. Yeah, I, man. I, anything to get rid of the lodge. 
<laughs> for sure, for sure. That's your that's your lodge lozenge to get that out of your mouth. <laughs> you know that movie again. I don't normally like horror comedies, but that movie just said, "Yeah, you're gonna like this one, pal." Yeah. I also don't care for super gory stuff. Uh, I don't think I'm giving anything away here. But when the new vampire eats a French fry and gets sick to his stomach, (laughs) I just laughed and laughed and laughed. That is the most realistic fake portrayal of what it's like to have really bad food poisoning that makes you throw up. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, you know, much grosser than that. Yeah. They go back to it a couple times in the TV show, and it's, it's equally as hilarious. Yeah. I laughed quite a bit. All right. Well, enough gushing. I just wanted to uh, to get that on the record. And, buddy, that's going to wrap up this edition of... This week's so, are you ready to pull the curtain on paranormal activity? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, man, don't come in with that energy. Sad face. Look, dude, it's found footage. You're only going to get so much out of me <laughs> when it comes to found footage. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I will say. If we're starting here, that, though, by the time we get to the end of this thing, I'm going to have to be injecting you with, I don't know, something illegal. Yeah, I mean, probably. That's that's probably the truth. Uh, but, yeah, let's go ahead and pull the string. Well, um, Mika sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is how you greeted me uh, when we started our recording <laughs> session here, uh, just to let the <laughs> listeners in behind the curtain. And you're right, man. Nothing stands out as much on the on the rewatch as how bad Mika sucks. That dude is a tool bag. Yeah, that on the record. <laughs> Maybe this is why I hate him so much. I think I see me in him. I'm okay. T- I'm totally the guy who gets obsessed with new tech and wants to like buy the newest cool late thing latest thing and like figure out how to incorporate into our da- incorporate it into our daily lives. So I, I have that issue going. And I at least want to think well enough of myself that I don't think I would be so oblivious to my wife or girlfriend being like, get the camera out of my face and out of my life. Yeah. That's where I really turned on Mika in this one. But the scene where he's like, nobody comes into my house and messes with my girlfriend. I really think I'm dumb enough to take that posture towards a demon. (laughs) And I would end up getting drugged down the stairs and drug up the stairs and thrown at the camera. (laughs) I was like, dang it. Quit holding up a mirror, paranormal activity. (laughs) I didn't sign up to feel judged. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I think that there's a certain aspect to every male that could identify with that, right? Like... You know, you feel like you're the protector in the family and you don't want you don't want anything to to hurt you or your loved ones. But at the same time, man, he just he just goes about it all the wrong ways. Yeah. And I I I I want to think um, that you and I both, if put in that situation, would handle things differently, Um, probably wouldn't wouldn't be so cavalier about it. Uh, But then but then also um if if my significant other was like, hey, I feel like there's a demon in the house. Whatever you do, don't go get a Ouija board. Then I'm going to be like, yeah, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where you really diverge with him pretty quickly, because I do think he's kind of a goofball dude at the beginning that's lovably sympathetic, you know? Yeah. And and Katie is so like patient with him. Like you can tell she's OK. This is how Mika is. Uh, but it's around that point where you're like, hey, dude, could you notice that not only is she over this, but like it's straight up causing her pain? Uh, maybe maybe take a chill. Yeah. And I think there's a scene in the movie at one point, he wakes her up at like one in the morning and says, hey, do you want to know what happened with that Ouija board? And I was just smacking my forehead for him. Ain't nobody trying to talk about that at one o'clock in the morning and definitely not after she told you, get it out of the house and I didn't want it here anyway. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Yeah. And then to throw away the cross at the end of the movie, 
you know, excuse me, you expect him to do the right thing. You know, he's like, that's it. I'm done. I'm tired of this mess. It's got to go. You're like, oh, okay, good. He's going to get rid of the Ouija board or, oh, he's going to throw away the camera or something. And instead he throws away the cross that she's been holding on to. I was just like, dude, what are you? Yeah. How you know, not to it, care for someone who's who's hurting. Yeah. A case study. Even if you even if you have a problem with religion or spirituality, well, <laughs> to everything that I've ever seen, Jesus equals bad. Or excuse me, Jesus, uh, <laughs> Jesus equals good. Cut that out. Um, <laughs> Jesus equals good. Demons equal bad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, we can root against Nazis and we can root against demons, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So even if even if you don't believe in it, why would you <laughs> I just why would you try to throw that away even if it's just a at this point like a placebo you know if she thinks it helps then why are you trying to get rid of it yeah absolutely i mean if, if she's taking comfort from it just let her take comfort from it man right and and i mean that in the way that like i know you you're having to deal with this too um dementia has struck several dementia and alzheimers have struck a couple different members of my family mm-hmm. and um you know when 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 the the person you love is mentally at a place where they think you are their child from, you know, multiple decades ago, or they're reliving something from their childhood and, and you're a character in it. I've never understood the need to like try to drag them out of that. Right. Like as, as a loved one, why not just play along, you know, use the details, you know, give them, give them the comfort of reliving whatever, if it's pleasant, you know, just play along with them. And yeah. eventually they will reset and their minds will go somewhere else. Just why drag them through the confrontation? And so, like, that's how I feel about the cross. Just until it hurts you, play along. Or until it's bad for them, play along. And this is clearly not hurting Katie, you know. Right. But your stupid camera that you've turned into a fetish, it is. And you're hanging on to that thing like, you know, like it's a it's a crucifix in front of the nun from uh, yeah. The Conjuring. Yeah. Um, although, I, get, I mean, I don't want to... I don't want to get too spoilery. Well, we're already in spoiler territory, but That's right, I sir. think I think that that cross is what they put the demon in to transfer to Katie. Oh, really? Now that I'm thinking about it. Well, there's I mean, it's just you've totally undercut my rant against Mika, dead gummit. Yeah, let's just start this whole thing over. Um, <laughs> this week's episode is brought to you by Manscaped. <laughs> yeah, I, I still. I'm not. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that. We'll have to when we get you know when we rewatch it. We'll have to to figure it out for sure. But uh, but still, he but still, know we, that. He didn't yeah, know that, and, and we don't know that. Yeah, you know, the girl across. Yeah, this is in the this is in the vein of hindsight being 2020. But yeah, yeah. If if it's something that she, you know, well. But I mean, she was holding on to it so hard that it made her hand bleed. But I, I just assume that that's from just holding on to it so hard that her hand bleed, but not not any kind of mutilation or anything. Yeah, I mean, wrap it in a washcloth for her, pal. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm I'm just about comforting comforting until you have to confront, right? It, yeah, I get it. Sometimes loving well means you have to say this is hurting you, this is dangerous. But I don't think we were there with Mrs. Featherstone and Mika. Yeah, I don't either. And obviously, that's when the ish hit the fan. So. Yeah. Well, hey, before we go there to when stuff hits the fan, I don't think you can really talk about this movie without considering the historical context. Okay. Um, I went back and read a bunch of reviews, mm-hmm. and it helped me get back to that space. Do you remember where you were when you watched this movie? Uh, yeah, I was at the I was at the uh, Rave Movie Theater in Chattanooga, Tennessee. It was October of two thousand nine. And what was the crowd like there? Uh, very little, surprisingly, because, you know, by that point, there had been a lot of hype and a lot of hubbub about it. Uh, but yeah, I went with some friends on a Friday night and, uh, 
yeah, there, there wasn't a big crowd. And then I went again the next week with my girlfriend and the crowd was very small uh, for that one as well. I mean, I say small, probably like half the theater was full, but it, it felt like one of those, one of those things were like, they were going to, they were going to have sold out shows for weeks, especially on like Fridays and Saturdays. And, uh, and that didn't happen. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know if this was a factor for you because you lived closer to a big city or lived in a city. Mm-hmm. Me living out in the country, of course, we've only had the one theater in our, in our hometown or uh, you know adjacent to our hometown the whole time. And do you remember this movie having a campaign where you had to like go to a website and mm-hmm. request a, a screening of this movie locally, and they would like forward that to your local movie theater? Yes. I feel like I've seen that before, but this is the only movie I can remember that kind of campaign around. Can you think of any others? No, not off the top of my head. Uh, I feel like that there's been more for that for like horror movies than anything else. Yeah, I think you that's know? right. Or, or maybe, I, I guess the only thing that I could I could remember it being like is, um, I feel like that a lot of Christian movies have had that. I don't know if Passion of the Christ had to do that, but I know that, you know, like Fireproof and things like that, where they've been like, call your local theater and tell them you want to see Fireproof. Huh. You know, I think I totally missed that because I don't watch those movies. <laughs> that sounds awful, knowing particularly who I am and what my profession is. But Wait, so you mean you're fireproof to fireproof? Yeah, I think I am, buddy. I, I, I mean, I cold. did eventually see that, like at a church member's home or something. Yeah. But I am not trying to – I don't I don't pay a lot of money for that stuff in the theaters. Right, right. And I, and I could be wrong on that too, but I, I feel like that that was, that was something that uh, – that I remember hearing about or reading about or something was, you know, uh, you know, this is the movie that the the world doesn't want you to see. So make sure you go. You know, yeah. Make sure and request fireproof. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I remember being really hyped for this movie and I think it was because I had heard that Steven Spielberg was really into it. Mm-hmm. And again, the campaign of like, ask your local theater to come see it. So I think, if I remember correctly, uh, I drove to Nashville with my wife to watch this movie, which is like an hour and a half away. Mm-hmm. And we were in a theater that was pretty much ideal. The crowd there was pretty much ideal to watch in this movie with. Uh, it was a packed house. Everybody there got super quiet in the quiet points. And then when something scary happened, they provided a very helpful like scream track for it. Yeah. And honest to goodness, this feels kind of strange, but like I remember going home being pretty spooked that night. Like I'm not saying I, I slept with the lights on, but like I mm-hmm. probably waited a beat to turn the lights off. And that, you know, particularly at this stage, that is just it's not really part of my experience as a horror fan anymore. Yeah. Uh, and so I guess I'm nostalgic for this movie. Uh, I, I I watched this movie and all the tired found footage stuff is there pretty obviously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it wasn't tired when I saw this movie. And it's like seeing, I don't know, I don't want to go too twisted, but like almost like an old girlfriend that you that you still are friendly with now, you know, mm-hmm. where you go back and like, you know what? Uh, I'm glad things are going well for you. It's good to see you. Um I don't know that that analogy is not perfect, but there there's something sort of sentimental in me about this movie. Yeah. So the horror uncle is here in full regalia. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, I'll I'll tell you this, man. I watched it. You know, like I said, I watched it in theaters twice, and I've probably seen it a handful of times since then. Um, but I haven't watched it in years, maybe a decade. Um, and I got kind of spooked out watching it by myself. You know, around midnight on Monday night. Cause I was like, Oh yeah, we've got to watch paranormal activity. 
to, to review on the podcast this week. And so I put it on and, uh, you know, being by yourself, watching it, it's uh, it takes it, a, it for me, it takes it to a different place, even though I knew the beats and knew what was going on. There was still a creep vibe to it that, that I appreciated. And I think that I appreciate this film more now watching it this time than I did any other time that I watched it before. Oh, really? OK. Yeah. Huh. Well, I went back and read a bunch of reviews just trying to get back into the historical context. Mm hmm. And I don't know if I've mentioned this on here or not, but if Roger Ebert reviewed a movie, he's kind of my gold standard, you know? Right. And I was surprised at how positive the reviews of this movie are. Um, Another thing that they reminded me of that kind of fed into my surprise about the reviews, I remembered this movie as a 2007 film, Mm -hmm. but that's when it started making like the film festival circuit. Right. It actually played in 2009, as you said. Right. Which means it came out after Cloverfield? Yeah, it did. It, does that feel so weird to you? It does. I feel, In my mind, Blair Witch Project came out. We waited a little while. Paranormal Activity came out. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, fairly soon, Cloverfield came out. But my timeline is just screwed up. Yeah. I, yeah, because I guess what? Cloverfield came out in 08? Yeah. Th- those reviews jarred me when I read that. I, I, I even feel like Cloverfield is a newer movie than Paranormal Activity. I don't know how that happened, but it's definitely that way in my brain. Yeah. But Ebert said good things about it. A lot of a lot of websites said good things about this movie, and I think the reason that surprises me is that this movie doesn't really have a plot. Right. Um it's just a day in the life. It's it in some ways it feels like a <laughs> like an avant-garde or a postmodern student film in that way. Mm-hmm. Um so do you uh I don't mean to interrupt you, but do you feel like that this movie was like trying to figure out the right word. I, I'm just going to say this and we can just please play off of it. Do you feel like that this was the renaissance of the found footage movie? Well, in my head, this was the father of the genre. And I say father, I think Blair Witch is like the patriarch, you know, the grandfather. Mm-hmm. In my head, Paranormal Activity was the next generation and that it basically opened the floodgates. But I'm now realizing that Cloverfield was there first. Yeah. In terms of release, anyway. Right. I, maybe maybe just the issue is Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity deal with ghosts or, uh, I mean, it's a it's a demon, but it works a whole lot like a ghost, you know, in Paranormal Activity. Yeah. And, and Blair Force, Witch. Forces of evil. Yeah. And, and the monster in Cloverfield is a monster rather than a ghost or demon. It's just a whole different kind of thing, you know? Right, right. So maybe I've just got them parsed out that way in my head. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it really does feel like that Paranormal Activity is the successor to the Blair Witch Project, and then it just all goes downhill from there. Yeah. Although I thought, you know, sidebarring, you, you, you liked Cloverfield, right? Yes. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, okay, okay. So we at least got three good ones before the genre went to garbage. Yeah. I have no data on this, but, you know, you you said, like, uh, everything opened up and it was mostly trash from here with Paranormal Activity. I mean, you're right, but beyond just the found footage craze, I've got to think that movies like this one, maybe this movie in particular, helped YouTube grow into what YouTube became. Because you look at this thing and you're like, I could do that. I just need a place to distribute it. Mm-hmm. And I've got to believe that, that YouTube got a spike after... After this movie came out, yeah, you would think. I'd love to. I'd love to know how to to analyze that data. Yeah. 
Um, so let me let me ask you this question. Uh, since we're since we're on the subject, have you ever had any kind of paranormal activity happen at your house that you could that you could flat out be like, so here's what happened, and it scared the crap out of me? <laughs> I think I mentioned this on the podcast, not at my house, but I once got lost in the woods hiking with some friends, mm-hmm. and we were we were actually hiking at a place that was supposed to be haunted, and we were there to hike because we were trying to experience whatever the haunting had to offer. And we got super lost. And uh, at one point in the night, we're super lost. We can't see anything because these little dinky flashlights we brought are terrible. <laughs> uh, I heard, we all heard, what sounded like the the stone from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's right, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Uh, that stone come crashing through the forest at us, like literally huge trees shaking. And I bolted to run, and the guy, my friend sitting in front of me, grabbed my arm, and he said, like something out of a, it didn't feel cheesy in the moment. He said, whatever that is, we're going to face it right here. Mm. Well, we were panicked, and we thought the world was about to come to an end. And right before it crashed through the wall of brush in front of us, there was a big boom. Uh, Like I said, trees were shaking. It was like stuff was shaking coming towards us, but Mm -hmm. whatever it hit, when it hit on the other side of that brush wall, it felt like the earth quaked. Oh, and it never but it never burst through, and we you know we we poked our head in, couldn't see anything. Uh, I don't know if it were you know I don't I don't know what could have made that kind of noise and shaking, and and what could do that then would stop within like ten feet maybe in front of our mm-hmm. faces. And it wasn't like it was two or three of us. There were 10 guys out in the woods that night. Oh, wow. And, uh, I mean, we still talk about it today when I get together with those people. So that's the closest thing I've ever ran into to uh, a legit kind of unexplained encounter. Yeah. But I'm going to roll that question over to you because I'm suspicious there's uh, there's better material on your side of the fence here. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if better is the right word or not, but um, I was living at my grandmother's house a few years ago, uh, three or four years ago. And uh, I was doing laundry and um, was in the living room texting with a friend and the, I heard another crash. And so I went to check it out in the laundry room and a vase had fallen and broken. And when I went to text my friend back that, you know, I, I just had a vase break in the, in the laundry room, uh, the power went out in the house uh, when it came back on, then my phone went dead. Oh man! And it recharged itself, and and it just felt like that there. It felt like that the the uh, laundry room got twenty degrees colder. Hmm. And it was the only time it ever happened, but it was just the craziest, just the craziest thing. And uh, I, I wound up, I wound up leaving. <laughs> Yeah. I wound up. Uh, I wound up getting in the car. Wound up getting in the car, driving to uh, a buddy of mine's house, and I was like, "So, listen to what just happened. Should I go back, or should I burn it to the ground?" Yes, go uh, back and, and then, burn it to the ground. Yeah, and then no joke. Like a week later, uh, I found a snake in the house. Oh, gross, dude! That's worse yeah. than a demon. Yeah, I hate snakes. Uh, and you know what, Jeff? Now that I'm thinking about it, there was one other one other thing happened. I don't know if it was Mother's Day. Or oh, if it was man. my mother's, or if it was my mother's birthday, one or the other. But I'm I'm at I'm at my grandmother's house again because I was living at the time, and I was looking through old pictures. And I think I'd been I think I'd been gone that day. I may have even come back from the road. Like I may have had like a weekend, you know, gig somewhere and was coming back. Oh, and uh, Derek, we I hate to interrupt you, but we should probably oh, tell cool. listeners that if they jumped in here, uh, Derek's mother passed away unfortunately when he was very young. 
Yeah. And so that that's the context for this story. Yeah, good call. Um, so uh, I get home, I'm looking through some old photos and stuff, and there was this toy, like ballerina, like little wind-up thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was – I don't know if it used to be in a globe – it looked like it used to be in a globe, and my mom was a big globe collector, and she liked those little precious moment trinkets and stuff like that. But anyway, as I'm looking through these pictures, that thing kicked on. Oh, man. Yeah. And, uh... Dude. Yeah, so those... those I are probably those would are have achieved three. levitation at that point. <laughs> I, it'd have been like something out of an old Warner Brothers movie. So I'd those, say Warner those Brothers the, movie cartoon. Right. So those are the three, besides the the story of the white lady, which I think I've, I've told on the podcast before. You have. And the white lady was at a house that I drive by every day of my life. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Which that one was the one that that one's the one I'll never forget. I wish I could remember which episode you told that story on, because uh, I'm sure there's some listeners who've jumped in and like, oh, do I like to hear? It? Hey, let me ask you this. So, I mean, we're, we're here to review paranormal activity. I, I would love to give you a couple stories, not at my house, but at my office. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you feel up to it, you could retell the white lady story. We can do that after the uh, after the as kind of bonus material after the end credits on this episode. You want to do that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm down for whatever. All right, so listener, if that's part of what you want to hear, uh, wait till we get through the episode, listen through the theme music, and I will add in a little extra bonus content for you, or we will rather, not just me, Derek and I. Can I just throw a couple questions about the plot at you? Absolutely. Uh, we've already talked about how Mika sucks. The The most unbelievable thing in this movie to me is how this couple continues to go to bed every night. <laughs> I mean that dead seriously. Could Could you go to sleep? Let's say once you saw the video of something, not just moving the door, but lifting the bed sheets off your girl. Could right. you go back to sleep in that room? No. And the fact that they don't leave and go get a hotel or something blows my mind. Yeah. They try to address it because that psychic's like, it'll follow you. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I'm going to test that theory. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be like, okay, maybe Mr. Psychic, maybe, but maybe not. And we're going to find out if it knows where the Holiday Inn and Suites is. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, I tell you what, if uh, if it wants to follow me to the Motel 6, I'll leave the light on for it. And then maybe I can keep it there and it can just, you know, it can just haunt everybody for nineteen ninety five a night. <laughs> I mean, you can hang out with the other ghosts at the Motel 6, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so it, that won't be the scariest thing the Motel 6 has ever seen. For sure. Not even that week. Right. I'm totally out of there. After I see uh, the door swinging, I could probably talk myself into some non-supernatural explanation for, Mm -hmm. but definitely after the sheets moving around. Uh, At the point where, sorry, I think I stepped on you there. No, you're fine. I was just going to, I was just going to reiterate when, uh, for me, when she goes outside and just sits there for hours Uh and then Mika goes back in and the TV's on, that's when I'd have been like, yeah, I'm, I'm out. Yes. I think the point of demarcation for me would have been that one or, I mean, really, the idea that I could sleep in that place, and by that I just mean not feel so vulnerable that I could possibly fall asleep, lose consciousness, even from fatigue, when they have done the baby powder experiment, Mm -hmm. that's completely off the radar. Yeah. I can't sleep if I think one of my kids is going to come in and ask me a question. Right. The idea, yeah, it's it's just, I'm willing to believe the demon tracking the girl more than I'm willing to believe. They just fell asleep at 11 o'clock after they knew that some creature was literally manipulating their environment. Right. Help me remember, do they go back to bed 
either that night or any day from there after Katie is drugged into the laundry room? So that is the night before everything goes down. Okay, so there would be no night before because it would just be one <laughs> long day for the rest yeah. of you know what I mean? Well, by that point, if you remember, by that point, Mika was like, all right, F it, we're leaving. And by that point, the, the demon had got a hold of Katie, and Katie was like, no, I just want to stay here. Let's just stay here. Everything's going to be fine. And Mika's like, woman, are you out of your mind? We got to go. And she, you know, she says, no, everything's good. Everything's good. And they do this really subtle uh, voice manipulation on that to where when Mika leaves, you know, and she says everything's going to be fine, and her voice modulates, and she smiles, and, right? And she smiles. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, I didn't, I didn't notice it the first time I watched the movie. So the, you know, the next week I went back with my girlfriend because my girlfriend wanted to see it, and I was, I wasn't very excited about watching it again. Uh, so when we went back and watched it, that was the part where I was like, oh, yeah, she's, they need to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Do they go back to bed, or does Mika get to see the footage of Katie standing over him for an hour? That I don't remember. I and don't it, think so. And they definitely go back to bed after the powder in the yes in the hallway. And they definitely go back to bed after that one night when the door slams shut super hard. Yes. Yeah. See, at that point, honest to goodness, I, I'm not trying to be a crazy person or like I'm super brave. But at the point that that door slammed, certainly by the time I saw the foot powder stuff, I don't care. Let's assume I really believe this thing will follow me. I'm going to burn that place down. Yeah. I, you know, I don't care if I'm arrested for arson. I don't care if my insurance company determines that I set it on fire and therefore they will not pay off on my policy. I don't care. Once something walked through the baby powder, it may get to follow me, but I'm also not only am I going to know if it knows where the Holiday Inn is, I'm also going to know if it can survive fire. Yeah. So that, yeah, I mean, that's a long way of discussing about the the biggest problem I have with a movie, which is that nobody goes back to sleep in that house. Yeah. I don't even think I can let my friend do it. You know, she talks to one of her friends there on the couch, and the friend's like, well, come stay with me. If you told me that story, I think I'd be like, Derek, you've got to get out of Missouri. Come to my house. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> Can't handle it. Uh, any other any other scenes that, that stick out to you? You know, we talked about the smile and the voice modulation. Um. No, not really. I mean, you know, the climax is crazy. Um, and I I do have this question. You know that there's three different endings to this thing, right? Yes. In fact, I've got if uh, if listeners don't know that I've got a summary of the three pulled up here to read if we want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't you do that? And then I'm going to I'm going to ask you or well, I'll just ask you now uh, read those. And then which of the three would you have rather would you have wanted to see in the movie? Do you do you like the, the theatrical version or would you have rather gone with one or the other two? Yeah. Um, can I can I suggest that since that is the ending of the movie and, and we're going to necessarily talk about the ending, can I throw a couple things at you before we do that? Oh, for goodness sakes. Yeah, that's fine. I don't care. Yeah. Well, you mentioned one that uh, that I really did want to highlight where I feel like I got sucked into this movie. I think the first time I really felt scared in this movie is when he goes outside and talks to Katie and she's in that delirious state out in the cold. <laughs> I, I don't know if this experience is common. I don't know who has access to it, but I go to bed every night with a woman uh, that you know I've been married to for a considerable number of years now. And there are certain times where she will either be still asleep, but doing a version of sleepwalking. My son has inherited that, um, and he'll even talk to us 
Uh, Christy will do it, just not as common as my son doing it. Uh, in fact, this happened not too long ago. We were outside, uh, my wife and I, on a carport in the middle of the night um, working on modifying a door that we were putting up, replacing some of the old doors in our house. And my son came out, and I thought, you know what? I He's interacting with us, but I think he's still asleep. And so I said, what's your middle name? And he told me. And I said, what's my middle name? Because it's the same. And he just, he stared at me, and he was going, uh, uh. And I looked at his mom, and I said, what's her name? And, dude, he could not get there. Eh. And I was like, buddy, you're asleep. I love you. Go get back in bed. And he did. And the next morning, I was like, do you remember talking to me on the carport? Nope. <laughs> so Christy will do a version of that. And I'll just tell you, maybe other people out there know this experience. When you wake up to the sound of your wife talking gibberish in a dark room, it's not comforting. And yeah, I think it's, it's Pentecost, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the Holy Spirit is what's making this happen. Okay, fair enough. Uh, it's it's disconcerting. Yeah, sure. The worst version of that, I think we've probably all had a nightmare that we woke up screaming from. Uh, they don't happen very often for me. Yeah. But you know, where you kind of startle yourself awake and maybe it was because you yelled out or something like that. Yet again, when your wife is the one who does it and you're a guy who loves watching horror movies, (laughs) I would not call it consoling. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, it's a wonder that my heart has survived some of those, you know, things. Cause when, um, in our house, when it happens, my instinct is to like, Hey, baby, you're okay. Uh, Calm down. Please quit screaming because I'm scared to death right now. You know what I mean? Like, it's both in her interest, but also mine. (laughs) And I always leap to doing it in the dark, which terrifies her more because there's now someone in the dark (laughs) saying things to her. Sure. And it takes me, it always takes me a couple beats to... uh, to remember, oh, I need to turn the light on so she can see. And then, you know, her lizard brain will turn off and her normal brain will turn on. Right. Uh, and I think that scene uh, with with Katie out on the, you know, the deck or whatever it was, the porch, really took me there. And I yeah. had, I'd kind of forgotten about it, honestly. But I distinctly remember being like, oh, my gosh, that's the worst. Because <laughs> it is. I believe it. The other one that's super awful is when, I've already mentioned it, is when she just gets up and stands over Mika's bed and kind of sways back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think this movie has a kind of brilliance. You know, we've seen so many imitators come along that I think it's easy to forget this. But there's there's a couple of things the movie does to the audience that I think are worth commenting on. One, in the slow buildup to the more dramatic phenomenon... And and particularly with those long stretches of just the still camera shot in the bedroom, mm-hmm. it makes the audience lean in and be hypersensitive to any detail in the frame. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so when the door moves, it lands much more heavily than it's supposed to, I think. Not, not more than it's supposed to. More than it should objectively because we've all been kind of leaning forward looking for any change in the scene. And I don't know that I saw that in a movie before this one. Can can you think of that? Because that, that's not how the Blair Witch tried to get its scares. Right. That's not how Cloverfield tried to get its scares. Like, it almost seems like a risky choice as a filmmaker to be like, I'm going to give you a three-minute dead silent clip, and it's it's going to work. Yeah. But it does in this, because you're just looking for even a breath of wind to move the covers. Yeah, you're right. I can't think of any any movie before 
really any movie after besides these movies. Can you think of anything after these that that did that? I feel like there's got to be Asylum, you know, like copycat movies that do it. Mm -hmm. But this is the one where I ran into it. Now, there are people out there who know the history of film better than me. They can tell me where I'm wrong. But I, I, I can just go back to that experience in the movie theater where... Again, I was with a great crowd when I saw it in the theater, and everybody's dead quiet, and we're all just leaning forward, kind of squinting at the screen, wondering what's going to change. Yeah. And when Katie gets up out of bed later, and she's clearly kind of in automaton mode, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I could have been much more scared than I was just watching her linger over him. When that timer on the on the screen speeds up, dude, I had the I just had the eeriest feeling. And this is probably hyper unique to me, but I think the reason this movie works so well and, and the brilliance that I think it has is because it, it prayed and preys on two experiences that everybody has and everybody knows is a chink in their armor. Uh, I mentioned it where like I can't go to sleep if I think my kids are going to come interrupt me. Yeah. But it... It's just, I mean, I know there are people who can fall asleep anywhere. I know there's exceptions to the rule. But human beings are vulnerable when we're asleep. And so most of us have to feel pretty secure to to be able to fall asleep. Yeah. And, I mean, that's why horror movies are so often set at night or whatnot. But just the, the idea that while you're asleep, some malicious entity is standing over you watching and, and really could do anything to you Yeah, is a pretty horrifying thought. And it's taken the possession of the person you love the most in the world. Exactly. So that was my second. Like, that's the other chink in our armor. Most human beings let someone past our guards, you know? Mm-hmm. And particularly in a romantic relationship, they often end up sleeping beside you. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, that combination of the two, that you're super vulnerable physically, but then you're just vulnerable by proximity. I, I really do think that's a kind of brilliance to this thing, even though it, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it doesn't really have a plot, but it does have legitimate, like, human, uh, human experience rooted terror. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it does feel like one long, uh, long form improv scene mm-hmm. just with, uh, you know, just with horror mo- motifs in it instead of trying to go for laughs. Well, mostly horror motifs instead of trying to go for laughs. There are obviously some laughs in this thing. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, I read where they didn't have a script for it. They were just given almost bullet points of, hey, this is this is what's going on in this situation. And I need you to get us to this point. So take us there. Yeah. Well, man, it worked. I mean, Mika, I don't. it doesn't look like has really worked anymore other than on some stuff connected to paranormal activity. Right. Katie has done some more. Uh, but I thought they both, they both really did a great job. They were completely unknown to me anyway when this movie started. And uh, I felt like they really punched above their weight in terms of what their experience was at the time they made this movie. Yeah, for sure. I think that you have to have unknowns in movies like this. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if you read this or not going back to it, but uh, apparently who put this out? Was it Universal? I think that's right. Whoever, whoever put it out wanted wanted to scrape this original movie and redo it with well-known actors. Hmm. And they were going to put this movie as a bonus feature on the DVD that would come out, you know, for the for the bigger blockbuster one. Uh, I'm really glad they didn't, though, because yeah. even though, you know, it's a movie 
you know, they're they're called Katie, they're called Mika. Mm-hmm. The, you know, that's their their legit names. And so it, it has that feel of realness that the Blair Witch had. Mm-hmm. You know, even even in the age of the internet, where you can find anything out instantaneously, it still made you wonder. Yep. And so I think for me, that was the appeal to this movie. It, it's not it's not one of my favorites. I, I don't think it's it's uh, I don't think it's as good as, as people told me that it was. Um, but one of the appeals is that it may, it still can make you believe that like, Oh snap, this actually happened. Yeah. I I completely agree. I think no name actors are essential without, I mean, if I, if I have seen these people anywhere else before this movie does not work for me. Right. And I guess that's a Spielberg decision, right? I mean, Spielberg would have had to sign off on it because he was the big advocate for the film. If I, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he was. Um, I, I assume that that's right. I know that an interesting tidbit I read was that Spielberg was watching watching it for the first time at night and got so spooked by it that he had to turn it off and finish it the next day. Dude. So hey man, if you can get, if you can get that kind of reaction out of Spielberg, you're doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess I'm ready to talk about the ending. All right, let's do it. So, uh the ending really worked for me. And that's going to give away some of my answers there. But, you know, that that voice uh, manipulation thing you talked about where they show Katie smiling right before the the fateful evening. Mm -hmm. I've got to believe they did something like that when she goes down to the kitchen and starts screaming. Definitely. Because we heard her screaming as the, the thing drug her into the... The bathroom, and we've heard her screaming, you know, other points in the in the film. Mm-hmm. There's a couple times where she's screaming Mika, where it turns into a roar. Yeah, and that 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 was a detail that stood out to me this time. Again, you know, I've I've lived through a version of that, not where you know, not where my wife is like left the room, but where she wakes up screaming, and you just get a huge adrenaline dump, mm-hmm. and you want to fix it immediately. You know what I mean? Like you're almost insane because you can't think past the screaming, right? And so with Mika running down the stairs, man, I just I just empathize with that dude. Uh, and the and the roaring scream kind of gave it a surreal quality that yeah got into my skin. So that ending worked. Do you want to talk about that ending anymore? Or do you want me to read these alternative ones uh, instead? Uh, yeah, go ahead and read the the other ones. All right. Well, I'd pulled up a screen rant uh, description, but when you asked about the universal question, it looks like it's Paramount. Okay. But I pulled up the Wikipedia article to uh, to find that information, and they've got, I think, a better description. So uh, the original ending that was shot for this film. Uh, I'm just going to read straight from Wikipedia. Katie returns to the bedroom, sits down against the bed with a knife in her hand, rocking back and forth for almost two straight days. Her friend Amber calls, which is the friend that was like, we talked about earlier, who said, hey, come stay at my house. Yeah. Uh, Leaves a message saying she's concerned because she hadn't heard from Katie or Mika. Amber eventually comes looking for her. But when she enters the house, she is heard screaming after she finds Mika's body. The creature possessing Katie at that point leaves her body, scaring Amber out of the house, before coming back to Katie, who resumes rocking back and forth on the bed. Mm-hmm. Police officers arrive at the house about an hour and a half later, or a half hour later, rather. They discover Mika's body as well. They call to Katie, who wakes from her catatonic state, but seems confused. She comes out of the bedroom with a knife still in her hand. The police officers ask her to drop the knife, and following a heated confrontation, a door behind one of the police officers slams shut, startling one of the officers, which caused him to shoot Katie, killing her. The film ends with the police investigating the area and finding nothing but the camera still running. Uh, The next one 
Wikipedia has labeled as the uh, studio ending, and that's the one that everybody has seen. And then the unfilmed ending, uh, I guess they thought was too brutal. Uh, A possessed Katie would corner Mika and use the camera to bludgeon him to death, which the viewers would watch from the camera's point of view. Mm -hmm. Uh, So there's the... Well, there's another one. So um, there's three on the DVD, and the third one is um, all the events happen the same way. Uh, I don't remember if Mika gets thrown into the camera or not, but Katie makes her way back upstairs. She looks into the camera. She gives a really evil smile, and then she slits her own throat. (sighs) Yeah, okay, so that one's in the screen rant one. And that one was filmed, is that correct? Yes. Okay. Gosh, that that one's rough. I would rather see Mika beat to death with his own camera than that one. Yeah. Um, so I guess this is my, this is, this is how I want to frame it to you. Um, obviously in order to make the story go, you have to do the ending that we see in theaters. Yeah. Um, out of, out of the four of them, if this is, if this is just going to be a standalone movie, nothing, you know, no sequels, no anything. Would you rather have seen one of the other endings or would you, or were you happy with the one that you saw? Well, surprise, surprise. My, my answer is going to be long winded. (laughs) The the reason that ending really, truly works for me isn't even that I can relate to Mika, but it's that I've really come to care about Katie in this movie. Mm-hmm. She is charming. She is sweet. She's patient. You know, she's she's just a she just seems like the kind of chick you'd want to hang out with. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. And she's a good woman. She's just a good person. And so I think I pref- I prefer the you know the the attached ending that we got. If I could modify anything, I I would take away the like changing her face into a demonic face mm-hmm. because I think that's just gilding the lily. Like she's done some stuff with her facial expressions already that tell me she can communicate. She's possessed. Something sinister is happening. I'll be creeped out by it. Yeah, and just the idea that. If she's actually possessed, it would retain her physical features is more compelling to me. But the reason that the ending works so well for me is that not only has this wonderful woman been corrupted, which is a tragedy, uh, been corrupted by this possessing entity, but that it's not done with her. And I don't know when it will be. You know, she is at that point basically human trafficked. Mm. And I... (laughs) I think that is the most sinister version of this, that Katie has not only been taken over, but it's going to keep her. Yeah. I I think that, uh, apart, I don't care that it sets up a sequel. Uh, I wasn't thinking that at the time. What I was thinking is, is like, Frigg, it still has her. Yeah. And that worked for me. I think the original ending would have been the best alternative. Sorry about that. Oh, it's okay. (laughs) Where, you know, she she basically gets killed as an innocent victim by the cops who think she's a murderer. Yeah. It it retains the corruption thing, but does it make it? It's not super gratuitous. I think the other two are pretty gratuitous. Yeah. So, I mean, that's my long winded thoughts. What about you? Man, I've seen all three of them or at least all three of them that were uh, filmed. And the one that gave me the most like goosebumps and just, oh, you know, just that sense of dread and, and uh, terror has to be the one where she kills herself at the end of it. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, if you, if you, you know, if you want to go out on a on a bleak, bleak note, I think that would be the one to go with. Um, I don't mind the, the theatrical ending. Uh, I think, you know, you have to do it if, you know, if you're going to if you're going to build the story and, and continue it on. Uh, and uh, not to spoil, you know, stuff next week, but I, I love how 
how we bring her into the story for the second one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just remember, you know, watching the movie. I think me and a buddy rented it, uh, one night, uh, back when you, you know, rented DVDs and we watched it. And then he, I think he wound up leaving or, or maybe going to bed or something. And I watched the other, you know, the other endings and just had a cold chill down my spine watching her just walk it, walk up to the camera, smile evilly, and then, you know, slit her own throat. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I mean, that adds a very nihilistic note to the film, right? That like mm. it was all for it was all for nothing. That this entity just wanted to torture and destroy these people. Right. My goodness. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. That is uh, that that's an appropriately sinister ending to a horror movie. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah. Well, buddy, anything else on uh, on the old paranormal activity? No, man. I think that's gonna that's gonna do it for me. Uh, so you want to you want to answer the questions? Yeah, let's do that. All right. So uh, I think we'll both agree on this one. But just in case, did we see something scary? Yeah, very confident in that. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Uh, like I said, especially watching it this time around. I uh, I don't know if you know it if it had been the right amount of time in between viewings or or what the situation was. But I I en- I think I enjoyed this movie more this time around than I ever had before. So mm, glad that cool. we yeah I'm glad that we got the chance to to revisit it. Uh, on a scale of one to 10, where are you going to rank this one? Man, I mean, it's just not a particularly good movie in terms of yeah. cinematography and plot and all those things. But I really like this movie. It really scared me. It got in my head. It made me interested long after the viewing experience was over. And so I can't go below seven and a half. Mm. I, it, I don't even think it holds up like my whole concern is for the safety and well-being of this couple. And so, like, when I know that they're not going to make it, you know, I, it just lessens the rewatch for me. And I have to go to that nostalgic place to enjoy it. Yeah. But this was basically everything I wanted out of a scary movie when when I watched this thing in the theater. And I, I, I'm just not going to dock it for <laughs> for not rising above its form, I guess. I think Wreck and some of those movies punch above their weight class more than this one does. Yeah, but I really like this one. I'll, I'll also say this, and I'll quit. You know, I'll quit gushing. But this is maybe the closest I've ever felt to what it would feel like to live in a haunted house. Hmm. And I think there's something in horror fans, uh, people who are interested in, you know, maybe the the supernatural side of scary things, where you, you know, it's kind of the stories we were telling earlier, and and we will tell here again here in a moment. Where like, what would you do in a haunted house? At least at the time. This movie took me into that experience as a lived experience more than any other movie I had seen. So, yeah, I can't go below seven and a half. Well, I'm glad the horror uncle was here. He's here. Uh, he's here and he's powdering the hallway. <laughs> I think for me, I have to go back to when I watched this for the first time and I was hyped up to watch it because of the hype that had, uh, you know, had been uh, involved around it, revolved around it. And for me, it didn't live up to that hype. And so I was very disappointed watching it. Um, both times I saw it in theaters, I just was very disappointed watching it and probably would have graded it lower than what I'm going to grade it now. But after watching it this, this week, I still think that it was an overhyped movie, mm. but I do think it's probably my favorite uh, found footage movie. So I'm going to give it a six. Yeah. I mean, I think a six actually fits the 
if you consider the elements of the movie and and derive your score from there. Yeah. I think on 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 my end this is definitely a scenario where the sum of the or what's the phrase the the total exceeds the sum of the parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this movie kind of had a little al- alchemical spell that it worked on me and I don't think you're wrong. I get where you're coming from. I just uh I have a lot of affection for it. Yeah. And and personally, I don't think you're wrong either. I just, for me, it just seemed like it was very much hyped, and and for me, it just didn't live up to it. Yeah. So that's fair. I'm sure there's a lot of people who had that same experience. I, I probably had the best possible version of watching this movie in the theater. I really believe that. Yeah. Well, there you go. Seven and a half and six. Yeah. So, I guess the uh, the bottom line is is what did you guys think about it? You can let us know. Um, the best way to do that would be to join our Facebook group. We saw something scary, and uh, leave us a comment. Let us know what you thought about the review, uh, what you agree with, what you disagree with. Jeff and I would love to hear your thoughts on this movie and uh, this episode of the show. Uh, of course, also we would love for you to take a few moments and give us those five star reviews on Apple Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe uh, where wherever your podcasts are, and we would love to have you. Guys Guys, give us those five-star reviews to help boost the algorithm and uh, allow more people to find out that we're here and that we're doing this every week. And then, of course, if you want to partner up with us, we'd love for you to do that as well over at patreon.com forward slash scary podcast or yeah, scary podcast. That's right. And we have the best Patreons, uh, patrons in the world. So I just want to shout them out. We hadn't done that in a while. I'm going to go alphabetical through here and we we love you guys. We appreciate you guys. We we really are. Uh, we really do see y'all as partners in doing this because y'all help get the get the free version of the podcast out every month. Um, just want to say thanks. Say thanks to Allison Broder, Brad Gurley, Jared Moore, Jody Webster, Michael Robinson, Nikki Mathis, Sadiqa Perry, and Tony Carr. You guys are the absolute best. We couldn't ask for better partners in our podcast, and we so appreciate every one of y'all. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for your patronage. Like Jeff said, we love you guys and uh, we couldn't do it without you. And also, again, a very special thank you to our friends at Manscaped. And remember, you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code SCARYPOD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping. Manscaped.com. Use the promo code SCARYPOD. We appreciate them sponsoring the show and, uh, and keeping us looking as good as we can. For sure. I know I know there are dudes out there listening to this who who had the same experience I did. You've you've heard about Manscaped on different podcasts. You've got on and browsed the website. I'm not going to tell you which product you should try out, but you've got on and looked and probably identified. Now that Derek and I have had a chance to interact with these products, you're not going to regret trying out the stuff you've already wanted to try out. Am I right, Derek? You're 100% right, sir. Yeah. So, guys, just go ahead. Take the plunge. We we wouldn't lie to you. We wouldn't tell you that wasn't the case. Um, yeah. You've been on there. You know what you want to buy. Go ahead and treat yourself and uh, and give it a run. That's right. Try it. Treat yourself. Trim your hedges. Manscaped.com. 20% off. Free shipping. Promo code SCARYPOD. Yep, yep. Yeah. All right. Uh, do we sign off or do we do we do this bonus content? What are we doing? Take us out and then we'll give it a little beat for the music to play us out and we'll come back. Cool. All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, we hope that you stick around for these bonus stories. Uh, but if not, then we'll see you guys back here next week. But until then, remember to stay away from clowns and sewers, white people with teacups, and blind men with turkey basters. Bye-bye, man.
All right, man. So I think the white lady story is the big payoff. <laughs> so let me get my stuff on the record here as an appetizer. Yeah, get your ish in. Yeah, and then you, you take us home. Okay. So there have been multiple people that I have worked with as colleagues who are more than halfway serious that they think the uh, the church building we're in is haunted. Mm. So I'm trying to think of... Let me let me tell you the let me let me go on a scale of less freaked out to most freaked out that I've experienced in my office, okay? So I'm often here alone by myself. It's a big building, AC unit, you know, I hear stuff all the time. Well, I mean and I say I hear stuff all the time like to the point where I'm like, "Hey, who's out there?" and then get up to go check and nobody's here. That happens yeah. multiple times a year. But on one of those days, I had, uh, this has been a couple years ago now, I had a Dell laptop that had been, uh, was previously owned, and the hinges on the the laptop were not very strong anymore. They kind of flopped, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was carrying it from one room to another, and I had to go to the, and I realized I needed to go to the bathroom, and so I thought, well, I'm just going to set this down on this conference room table, but I don't want to be hasty because if if I'm not careful, I'm going to goof around and drop this thing on the floor. And that'll be the end of the usefulness of this laptop. Yeah. The hinges won't be able to take anymore. So I set it down on a conference table very carefully to like put it in the middle of the table. I go to the restroom. I'm not in there super long, but I'm in there long enough to use the restroom and wash my hands. And as I'm coming back out of the door, I hear my laptop hit the floor. Mm. And I go in to find it. Uh, you know, if you think about the way a laptop opens like a clamshell, mm-hmm. I, 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 I go in to find it laying in such a way that if it were Pac-Man, Pac-Man would be split in half. <laughs> and I know darn well I took time to push that thing to the middle of the table specifically so it wouldn't fall. Mm-hmm. And it was a day when I've been outside being like, hey, who's here? And nobody's there. So that's the least freaky version of this. The next freakiest is one that I'm only kind of slightly connected to. Uh, one of my staff members sent me a text one day while I was at the house 45 minutes away. And he said, hey, where are you at? And that wasn't a common text. So I just said, hey, I'm at the house today. But if you need something, I'm happy to drive in. Mm. He And he texts back, shut up. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, where are you at? And I said, dude, I'm at the house. Um, and then my phone rang and he called me. And he said, dude, you just called my name in the church. Hmm. And I said, you know, if you'll if you'll give me a second, I can take a picture of my living room. He knew what it looked like. Yeah. And I can uh, I'll hold up my you know, my watch or something to show you today's date and the time I'm at my house. And he was quiet for a minute. And he said, you said, Hey, Nick, come here. And I was in the booth and said, Hey man, I'm working. Can it wait? And when I didn't reply, he thought he'd made me mad. Uh, and so he was like, Hey, where are you at? Cause I guess he'd like gotten done and come looking for me. Yeah. And uh, he left. He went home. 
from the office that day. So then my my secretary has worked here much longer than I have. And I was telling her that story and she said, well, I guess you should know this. She said, in the time between this church having a pastor, I was the only staff member who was coming to the office. And you can ask, and she named the gentleman's name. He's he's still one of our deacons here. He was sort of supervising the building and uh, like, you know, the staff when they didn't have a pastor. And mm-hmm. she said, you can ask him. There were several times where I told him there's too much going on in the church. I got to go. And mm. she'd heard too much stuff and, and left. So that's my second most uh, frightening story. Here's the third one. It's the longest. Uh, Derek, you've been to my office multiple times. You you know the layout, but mm-hmm. we have an upstairs and a downstairs. And basically the entrances to the building, uh, one is on the front of the building opening into a long hallway. And the other is uh, at the back of the building opening into a long hallway. Uh, upstairs, the long hallway goes uh, across our auditorium entrances into an educational wing with classrooms. Downstairs, you walk in underneath those classrooms upstairs towards the back of the building, which is uh, like a dining area, cafeteria-style fellowship hall. So we're getting ready to have a a church-wide event where we're just going to get clutter out of the church. And uh, my secretary wants to volunteer, but she's not going to be at the cleanup day. So she says, can you show me a room I can clean up uh, when I get done doing my secretarial stuff? And that'll just be how I volunteer. So that's cool. We can do that. We're the only two people in the building. Um, We go downstairs. I point to one of the children's playrooms. And like there was a rack of old VHS movies there. Some uh, some like board books for kids that were just falling apart, and I was like, if you can just sack this stuff up, haul it out to the dumpster, I'll, I'll feel like you've done us an incredible service. Well, as I'm telling her that, we can hear the front door. You know, we're downstairs, but all the doors in between us are open. We can hear the front door open, and we can hear someone walk with heavy footsteps. It's not like Frankenstein's monster, but it sounds like a guy. Mm-hmm come across the wood floor towards the educational wing upstairs. And I hollered at the person and said, hey, we're downstairs. Come down here. Because I just figured it's like somebody has a key to the building. I know, you know, just because I'm in uh, a high traffic area, we didn't leave the church doors unlocked. People come by all the time off the street, and we just want to be able to meet them at the door rather than meet them in the facility. Sure. So I know the doors are locked. I check those things. Um, at that point, we had key lock and unlock doors. So like when I came in, I had to unlock the door, then lock the door back. And it's just, it was a safety protocol. That's what we did. Yeah. So I think it's a deacon, another staff member. Hey, we're down here. Come see me. We hear them come down the stairs. And when they get to the bottom of the stairs to come see us, they need to turn right and go through a set of double doors that come into the fellowship hall. If they don't do that, the only recourse they have, apart from going back up the stairs, is to turn left and go through a set of metal double doors toward the rear entrance of the of the church. Make sense? Mm-hmm. So I say, hey, we're over here. I hear them come down the stairs. I think I called again and said, we're in the kids' room or something like that. I hear the double doors open, and I immediately conclude, oh, they didn't hear us. I need to run catch them before they leave. 
So I go on a sprint, and and I say, you know, there's double doors, but we're talking about, I mean, you've been in the building, Derek, between our fellowship hall and the hallway where those steel double doors are downstairs. Could Mm -hmm. it be more than like 12 feet? If that. Yeah, I mean, it's not a big area. There's basically enough room there for a park bench and a little bit more on either side. It's like a little sitting area. So. I clear that space, even, you know, with my short legs, I clear it pretty fast. And I push through those double doors that I've just heard open and there's nobody in there. <laughs> and I, I mean, I sprinted cause I didn't want to be rude. And then, you know, like, Hey, I saw your car there. Why didn't you, you know, why didn't you call to me? I wanted to see you. So I then go to the back of the, to that rear entrance mm-hmm. and I push on the door and it's locked. And I know I haven't, you know, the the sound of that door locking and unlocking, it's a pretty hearty metallic clank sound. Right. No, I haven't heard that. But I unlock the door anyway, step out in the parking lot and look around, hold the door behind me. Nobody's in the parking lot. And there's just no way, even if they had went into a dead run when they heard me, you know, holler the second time, that they could have gotten out of the building, locked and unlocked that door, and then got through the parking lot where I could not see them. So I come back in. I tell the secretary what's happened. Um, I locked the door behind me when I came in because I don't know what's going on. So I, I took her back up to the church office, which has doors that can lock from the inside. I put her in the room. She locks the doors. I check them behind me, and I go sweep the entire church because the the theory I have now is, dummy, you left the door open. Even though you didn't think you did, this person's still in the church. And the the church I had worked at previously had a situation like this where a um, a mentally ill person who who was homeless did a version of this and mm. got up to some creepy stuff in the church building for about a week. Mm. So I I swept the church like a detective in a cop movie. Sure. No doors were unlocked. No doors, uh, sorry, no doors were unlocked that should have been locked. I checked every door that was not locked. I checked the entire building. I came back up and knocked on the door. I told my secretary what was going on, and she said, I, I, I'm sorry, you can stay, but I've got to go. I'm really scared. Mm. And she left, and I don't blame her. Yeah, rightfully so. Yeah, and so that, you know, that didn't happen at home but it's probably the scariest thing just knowing all the factors like I need to protect this person that is here with me. Uh, Right. I need to protect everybody who's going to use our building who, you know, if somebody's in here can sneak up on them. Yeah. I can't explain the physics of the thing, but I definitely know two of us heard somebody walking across the, the church and like open some pretty heavy double doors. So that's the one that's most like there's no explanation. Hmm. And that brings my tale of horror to a conclusion. Why don't you give us the good stuff now? Oh man, I think that's the good stuff. That was that was crazy. Yeah, it it really is the craziest thing I've ever lived through. But I think knowing the story, I think yours is better. <laughs> uh, well, I know I'm never going back to your office. Um, so uh, I, I know that I've told this story before here on the podcast. I've also told this story on Brent Terhune's podcast. Um, he has a he has a podcast called uh, Field Trip, and shout out to Brent Terhune uh, for that. But anyway, if you haven't heard it, this is a story of uh, what we have affectionately called the white woman. So my grandparents, uh, 
they were married for I think 30 years, um, maybe even actually 40 years. Um, and they built the house that they lived in. Um, the house is still there. And, uh, when, when my uncle David was really young, uh, probably seven, seven to 10 years old, he got up in the middle of the night, went to the kitchen to get something to drink. And he saw from the living room that there was a light on presumably the TV. And he walks into the living room and sees the TVs on and sees somebody in the recliner and thought that it was my mother. Uh, yeah. Dressed in white, long black hair, and said that, uh, you know, he was still pretty groggy, you know, half asleep. But he sees this figure and he goes, Teresa, what are you doing? What are you doing? Just, you know, in here by yourself. And then he realized, oh, that's not Teresa. And there was a light, you know, like an aura around her. And she turned to look at Michael and he bolted back into his room and shut the door and got under the covers. And he told that story the next day to people and they didn't believe him. Fast forward probably five, six years later, um, maybe even longer than that. No, I'd say roughly around that same time. My uncle Darren is the same age as my uncle David. And the same thing happens to him. He wakes up in the middle of the night. He's thirsty. He goes to get some water. He sees a light coming from the living room. So he goes into the living room, sees what he thinks is my mom, and realizes, oh, that's not Teresa. And the lady turns to look at him. And before she can, he runs off. So these happen, you know, this happened in the early 70s, uh, you know, the early to late 70s. This is when this happened. Uh, it never happened again. No one, you know, everyone just thought that they were dreaming or that they had made it up. Uh, to this day, they swear like, oh, no, it happened. So fast forward, it's 1996, uh, probably August of 1996. I am 10 years old. And my mom and my, uh, excuse me, my mom and I are living at my grandmother and grandfather's house. My grandmother had some of her sisters come in. So they took the room that my mom and I were uh, staying in. And so my mom and I basically had to camp out in the living room. So uh, mom takes the couch. I've got a little pallet cot made out in the floor. We're watching wrestling. You know, I had taped some wrestling. So we're watching wrestling and I doze off. And in the middle of the night, I wake up and the TV is all staticky, much like the TV was uh, when Mika goes up to the bedroom to, to see what's going on. That was the first thing it reminded me of. So the TV staticky, and in my peripheral, I see in uh, my grandmother's recliner someone that I think is my mother. And uh, so I look over and I'm like, "Mom, what are you doing? Just watching a blank screen." And then in my peripheral, I catch my mother sleeping on the couch. Oh my gosh! And then I look over again, and it's the exact same woman. Had to have been long black hair, white gown. And she turns to look at me, and I just got under the covers and prayed until I fell asleep and woke up the next day, and, and she was gone. And we never had anything else like that ever happen. Dude, that gives me chills every time I, uh, I hear you tell it, in part because I know the family. Uh, I know... Uh, again, this this house is on my daily commute. I've I've probably driven anywhere in my life, maybe a hundred times that I didn't pass that house. Yeah, 
But something just clicked in my head as you were telling me that story. That home is, uh, I mean, it's not a little house, but it's not a mansion either. Right. But it is like a brick house on a a couple acres. Mm -hmm. And it's a handsome little house. And I have talked, I say little house, it's like, it's, it's a, it's a handsome house out in the country. Yeah. It'll be mine one day. Okay. Well, I I will be delighted by that. Yeah. Christy and I, the other day, were driving by there, just coming, because there's like a beautiful field out behind it. And there's been some houses that have been built in that field since then, but it's just a pretty country scene. And I can't remember if a family was moving in or moving out or what, mm-hmm. but I told her that house turns over much more than I would have ever expected it to. Yeah. And I, the the last time somebody lived there uh, that I knew, I missed the opportunity. They moved out before I thought to do this, but I always have like a quarter inclination to go in and just say, lady in white, that make any sense to y'all and just <laughs> see what they do. Yeah. Maybe one of these days I will. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> I guess maybe this makes me a bad friend. I don't know. But I I knew, to my knowledge, the previous owner. I don't know who I don't know who all has had it. Um, I know that my grandmother sold it right after I graduated high school. Um, and then it's had it had one owner and then friends of mine bought it after that. And I never had the guts to ask them about it. Yeah. Cause, cause number one, I didn't, I guess the biggest reason was, is I didn't want to put that thought in their head of like, Hey, this, this could happen. So, uh, so I never did, but I, I often wonder, and I think maybe if I, if I run into, um, this couple again, or at least the, the wife, uh, that I might be like, Hey, so I want to ask you something and just to see, cause it was, uh, man, it was the craziest thing. You know, I can still, I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, I can't imagine that stuff is is easy to uh, to ever forget. I think it's a great story, man. Yeah, it's a cool thing to have in your family. Now, I get it; you had to be terrified to like have the story, but it's a cool family story too. Yeah, it is never not uh, caused for gasps and chills yeah. when you tell it. So, you know, you got to you you do it for the gram, right? There you go. We yeah. need to uh, we need to get it on Instagram. We can make her an influencer. Uh, let's get you buying that property, and then we do full-blown investigation. Yeah, not only that, man, but I want to buy that property and clear out some of that brush and us have our own midnight society. 100% in. Yeah, yeah. I don't care if, if we're 50. I think it'd be fun. That sounds good to me, man. Well, buddy, I appreciate you going into extra innings. Yeah, man. Of course, this was fun. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to to reviewing the Paranormal Activity two next week, and then from there it'll be a slog. But you know, we'll have fun with it. Sounds good to me. Um, cool, cool. Well, thanks, guys. We appreciate you uh, listening and listening to the little bonus episode we gave you just now. Uh, pleasant dreams. If you're watching this before, or if you're listening to this before you go to sleep, and we'll see you real soon. Bye, bye, man. <laughs>